good evening to one and all. My name is Saurabh and I'm your host for the PGC weekly podcast session today. I would like to start the podcast series by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples, the traditional custodians of the lands where each of our UNSW campuses are located and all the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders past, present and emerging and their communities who have shared and practiced their teachings over thousands of years. We recognize the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's ongoing leadership and contributions, including to business, education, and industry. Today, we have got Mr. Prakash Bhurtal as our guest speaker. He is a chartered accountant and registered tax agent based in Sydney. He's also a senior tax consultant at Precinct Tax and Accounting Services. Also, let me just remind you that this podcast is not just about Mr. Prakash and myself, but it is for everyone who has now joined us through Zoom or listening to us through Facebook Live and probably watching the recorded session afterwards. So we would be happy to raise any questions you have throughout the session or even after the session is over. So starting off with the discussion, uh, as we all know that since filing tax returns is a key requirement for all the residents residing in Australia, including the international students, and we have found many international students and temporary residents struggle to understand these basic concepts of tax. Hence this podcast organized by the UNSW Postgraduate Council is aimed at helping international students to understand various aspects of tax such as taxable income, deductions, tax offsets, and whatever questions you have throughout the session as well. So our goal is to make you aware of the upcoming tax returns. And uh, it's now time for us to start off with some commonly asked questions by the international students. So my first question for you, Prakash, is how does the taxation system actually work for international students and what are their obligations as an international student? Thank you, Saurabh. And hi, everyone. Uh, yes, tax is, you know, a bit um, uh, difficult sometimes and complex sometimes here in Australia. And as an international student, you will have to face this issue uh, once you are in Australia here. So, yes, being an international student, uh, when it comes to taxation in Australia, it's not that different. Uh, to the normal citizens or Australian resident. But yes, there are a few uh, exemptions or advantages that the international students uh, have when they lost their taxes. This is because they are in a temporary visa, like student visa, as contrast to the citizens or permanent residents. So most of the rules are similar, but there are a few uh, exemptions. There are a few benefits to them. So if I have to say uh, the slack, the rates are same. The Medicare levy part, that is uh, one of the component in the whole tax computations, that is exempt in most of the cases for international students, unless, unless these international students come from uh, a reciprocal agreement, you know, from the countries where in Australia has Medicare reciprocal agreement, they do not have to pay that Medicare levy. So uh, this is the basics for international students. Uh, yes. Okay, and uh, another question that a lot of students might also want to know here is Prakash, that are there any specific tax benefits for international students, which is only applicable to them and it is not applicable to the permanent residents or citizens? Okay, if we say uh, about uh, these uh, specific one, then in terms of income or in terms of expenses, there isn't anything specific that it doesn't apply to them. Okay. But when it comes to one form of tax, you know, medical levy, it is a part of the whole tax, the medical levy, then there is an exemption available that for temporary resident, uh, that medical levy, you know, you can claim exemption. So it's a 2% tax on your net income. So if you are a temporary resident, so most of the international students, see, they are in a student visa. True. 
So there are temporary residents, so they don't have to pay that one. Or so that's one kind of benefit you must say. Okay, okay. Uh, but uh, do you think that there is any specific sort of benefits which you would like to highlight here, other than the one that you have just highlighted? Uh, see, other than this, uh, the rates, the way it is computed, they are all similar because in tax the residency is different than in the you know immigration for the visa purpose we have permanent residency we have different form of residency there but in tax uh, it's generally if you are here for a course for more than 6 months then you are a resident for tax purpose okay so once you are a resident for tax purpose then it's fairly similar with the permanent resident or citizen even the permanent resident and citizen are resident for tax purpose yeah. plus they are citizen and permanent resident and even the students they are now become resident for tax purpose so a lot of tax computations you know the formula income and expenses all becomes the same few like medical levy exemptions they applies to this temporary visa holder sure um the next question is also a pretty popular one related to the tax frauds which are happening in the market currently and you know, uh, even i am a victim of that uh, tax fraud so this is a very common uh, for a caller pretending that they are from the australian tax office and saying that if the student does not speak with them a warrant will be issued for their arrest <laughs> and another variation is that that an officer is already on their way to arrest the student for failing to pay their taxes and they will state that the student owes money and they must pay immediately mm. to prevent this arrest so mm. this is a scam and you should not provide any personal information obviously but it will be great to for all the international students listening to you now if you can clarify to them on how the taxation office really communicates to them and mm. how can they identify a scammer yes this is very important very important questions you have brought up here even i received this sort of calls you know but it's easy for me to tackle this so these groups you know they are very active around this part of the year even throughout the year you know they are always calling sometimes saying okay you have this much amount of debt you need to pay your debt now or else officer will be coming you or there is a case going on on your behalf and all these things and because this international student they are fairly new into this country then they do not understand the whole you know tax laws how it works how the ATU communicates and then sometime you know they may be uh, you know not complying with their visa requirements you know and then they have that fear inside and then they fall in, in prey with this sort of people you know quite easily so first thing around this scam you need to know is if someone is calling you and then you know i speaking you such a way that you're going to have to pay now or else officer is coming then you need to smell something because here in this country even if you do if you have some overdue tax debts or even if you have something you know you haven't lurched some of your tax returns the tax office never you know uh, you know call you that way and then just pressurize you they are so calm you know and most of the time they communicate Uh, via uh, you know uh, uh, postal addresses or see most of this is to them most of the students they should uh, you know register for that mygov login you know the mygov is very nice a very good uh, you know form of uh, communicating with ATO or knowing that what is happening with your uh, ATO account yeah. so whatever they communicate to you a copy would be there in your mygov account so if someone is calling you for something and then if you if you have a mygov account you go inside and check on the correspondences you know they are in your inbox there is particular lot of emails coming from ato to you even if they have to ask you for something like if you haven't paid if they have a reminder they will give a email and that email comes to you in your mygov account so if there is any other communications from them a copy is there in our mygov account okay so if you see their mygov account and you email you know you see those communications there even if they send you sms and all this still a copy you know would be there it will be a notification that they have, they have sent that sms and all this so one way is okay you have your mygov account you can check okay what is the official correspondence 
from the ATO to me. Okay, this one point. And then if you see your MIGO very clean, like you have lost everything, your tax and nothing is due, and in your communications history, there is nothing, and in your invoices in MIGO, there is nothing. That means there is no such communication, you know. And even then, if you have your tax agent, like if you have done your taxes with your tax agent, most of the time, if there is anything, they will first call to your tax agent as well. So this is the usual process they do, and they never sound that you know horrifying thing, you know, pressurizing. They never I speak to them every day. You know, they don't communicate that way. So always, if you receive this sort of call, be very calm. You don't have to worry at all. It feels like okay, they can do something for me for that particular moment. But it's so common these days. Do not worry at all. So. Just you can say okay, uh, just you know, hang up your phone or just say my taxes are managed by my agent. I don't have to worry about this. And never ever give any details, anything, date of birth, TFN number, bank details, nothing, never. So just hang up your phone. Even though sometimes it you call, it's not that it you will never call you. Yes, these days. There are a couple of calls. It's genuine calls from ATO as well. But if you say no, I, I'm not comfortable giving this, then they will, you know, they're okay with it. Okay, they will come up with another form of communications with you. So in whatsoever situation, don't give any information unless you are hundred percent sure about yes, it is the ATO and it is uh, something really as an and also even the ATO communicates to you or calls to you genuinely. You know, it's not time. You have to do something today. It's not that urgent. It's always they will give you a time, one month. You know, one and a half months, two months, six months. So never that that urgency. You know, is there when it is genuinely calls or communicates to you. So this way you need to find out these are all scams and don't give anything. So that's that's the solution. Yeah. Sure. I think that is a great answer, Prakash, because. Um... A lot of these scammers generally ask you for your Mastercard details, your Visa card details, which is uh, you and can also. They will tell to buy, tell you to buy, you know, gift cards. Okay, they'll say go and buy gift card, and then just give me a number, you know, from that number. So this way they are not tracked this way because if you send money to someone in this country, you can track it. Absolutely, there is audit trail involved in it, so they don't want to get caught. So. You buy a, a gift card, and then there is a number, you know, the some code, and then anyone can use that code to, you know, get the money or benefit on that gift card. So sometimes they say about the gift card. Sometimes they will say, okay, four thousand dollar. Then they say, then the student says, I have only one thousand dollar. Then says, fine, even one thousand dollar, you pay one thousand. Rest, don't worry. So they they will come up like this. They will start negotiating, bargaining, and all this. And in real ATO, it doesn't work that way. Anything you see that is not normal, you know, it's all fake. Sure. Um, and also, there are a lot of uh, students coming from abroad. They also know, don't know about the different uh, tax slab rates here in Australia. So, would you like to brief them on the different uh, tax rate slabs here in Australia? Yes. And uh, the good thing is this financial year, uh, that is 2021, the slabs has become more, you know, beneficial to everyone. So currently what we have is the best slab from nil till $18,200. We, there is no tax on it. So it's a tax-free threshold, okay? And after 18,200 till 45,000, 45K, it's 19%. Okay, and then after 45 till 120K, it's 32.5%. Uh, and after that, till 180K is 37%. And after 180K, everything is 45%. Okay, so mm -hmm. earlier, it used to be a bit different till last year, uh, 1920. Uh, the slab was uh, instead of 45K, it was 37 and 19% was applied up till 37. Thereafter, 37 till uh, 90K, it was uh, 32.5. And after 90 to 180, it was 37. And then after 180, it was always 45, okay? So this is the basic structure. 
So whenever you have your income around these brackets, then you can see these sort of formulas in your mind. So, so what we say clearly, you know, most of the international students here, you know, they really don't, they don't have full working rights anyway. So most of the time they fall under the, uh, you know, uh, up to 45 or maybe max at 90, you know, because if you're not working full time, it's very hard to make a lot of money. So 19% is the most of the time you know, students fall under that, that bracket from zero to 45K. If you, if you consider this financial year, so 19% is that percentage that gonna, you know, uh, gonna be taxed. But the thing is, up till 18,200, you don't have to pay because that's the limit in there. Okay. Anything above 18,200 till 45, then 19% comes into play. And then if the employer has deducted more than what it should have been, then you will get a refund. This is how it works. Mm -hmm. Sure. Thank you so much for clarifying that. Uh, there was also a question raised by another student as to whether he will be getting all the money for the work mm -hmm. he has done throughout the year. So what do you have to say in this regard? Okay. So there are a lot of myths or misconceptions here uh, when it comes to the first year for anyone in this country. You know, People say when you are uh, in here for the first year, you get everything that was deducted from your, uh, from your pay. During the during the year, but it yeah, it is correct sometime, uh, but it's not correct all the time. Uh, uh, people have general conception about this. They generalize generalize this one, but we have a particular you know legal backing of the law and how it works is, say most of them if they started fresh this financial year, and then they did not make eighteen thousand dollar. Then what happens is over the period when they were paid from their employer, something was deducted like 200 a week or 100 a week. So they did not make 18,200, but still there were around $1,000 deducted. So all of these group of people will get back everything. And then they might create a, you know, generalized opinion that, okay, no, for everyone, this is the same. So you work, whatever, whatever deducted, everything you will get back. But not so how it works is even though you are fresh and first time in this country the very first year you work if you haven't crossed that limit the 18,200 plus even there are few, even you cross that 18,200 then still we have some sort of offsets you know low income tax offset low and middle income tax offset so that way i think around 22,000 something even if your income goes up to that point, considering those offset, your taxes will still be nil. Then you get those uh, deducted refund, you know, whatever was deducted from you. So technically speaking, if your income is on the lower part, so you get everything, but once you exceed that limit, and then your offsets are not able to cope up with the extra taxes, then after that limit, you have to pay. Say, for example, someone earns $20,000. So 18,200 is the basic limit. So, but now he has earned 20, he would have some taxes on it, but there would be some uh, low income tax, low, low and middle income tax you know, offsets, uh, low and middle income offsets. So these offsets will come into play. And even with this 20,000 income, he end up paying nothing. So in that case, if there was two $2,000 deducted from his base earlier, he will get everything back. But say, let's uh, change this situation. And if he earns 30K or 35K, in that case now, uh, he had to pay because all his you know, limit is way above the limit. And even considering all the uh, offsets, still there are taxes to be paid. Now, say so example, if his tax is $4,000, our calculator on the total income of around 30K, then this is just an example, it's not exactly true. And then after, if the deduction were $5,000, then he only gets $2,000, okay? So in this case, he won't get everything back, even though he's an uh, international student or he's first year in this country. So how it works is based on the slab. So if you are inside the slab, inside that income group, yes, you will be getting, if you're not in exit, then you're not getting everything. 
Sure. And if uh, there are any specific questions from the comment section, I will just take it. Uh, yeah, up, you can pick up. Yes. Question. Maybe, you know, the students might have their own specific queries. Uh, would be happy if uh, people who are watching us on Facebook Live can directly post their comments uh, on, on, the, on the Facebook section, uh, Facebook Live section. I can also look at the chat section, uh, comment section here, which says that I have a question. If we are receiving scholarship from UNSW, Sydney, yeah. which is yeah. tax exempted, do we still need to lodge tax return? And how do we lodge the tax return? Very good question here. So a lot of university students, particularly the PhD ones, are doing doing research. They may be getting these scholarships. So a scholarship in general is tax exempt income. Okay. Mm -hmm. So but there are conditions. So it must be a full time student. Okay. And it should be purely for the educational purpose. So there are, there are a few conditions. So when you meet those conditions, and these scholarships become exempt income, okay? So you don't have to pay taxes on that one. And then when, when they pay you these um, scholarship incomes, and usually they don't deduct anything from that payment, okay? So if nothing was deducted and the whole income is exempt, and then you actually don't have anything to pay to the ATM, okay? Now, if you want to do your taxes, then... Uh, those income, even though you include that one as your income, then ultimately we have to put it as an exemption there. And then so your taxable income should become, become zero. So that's the effect of that one. But it, there are conditions. So we need to be very careful and have to decide case by case what sort of scholarship or what sort of grant they are receiving. But yes, there are scholarship and grant, these are tax exempt. Sure. Also related to Medicare, Prakash, uh, people might want to know what is Medicare and how does it impact the international students? Are there any international students eligible to claim the benefits from their OSHC? Okay. Now, this Medicare is a good topic here. Even for a student, it, it is of you know, importance because uh, once you are uh, in this country for more than six months, like most of these visas are more than, more than six months, so you are treated as a resident you know, in tax so, so what happens is you will have to get this exempted certificate from uh, Department of Human Services. And when you lodge your tax return and you have to give that exemption certificate to your tax agent. So this way what happens is even though the 2% applies to you by uh, because you are a tax resident, but still you have that exemption because for the uh, temporary visa holder, you can claim this exemption. So they will definitely give this certificate. So once you have this certificate, when you lodge your tax return, you can just give that certificate to your agent. Then whatever 2% is calculated on your income, uh, that will go out. So, you know, it's a benefit. This one part, okay. So even though it is computed, but you can always claim an exemption. So there are steps on doing this. There is a form that you have to fill and have to send to the department of human uh, services. So, and from there, you will receive a letter. If the letter specifically says, for this financial year, this, 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 this is not, uh, you know, uh, liable to Medicare entitlement. So this is what they say. So once we have that one, you don't have to pay the Medicare again, okay? And now the other thing is OHSC. Most of these are uh, a visa holder, for them to maintain the visa here, they have to do this health insurance thing, right, for the student. So the issue is uh, this uh, private health insurance rebate. You know, there is a rebate for private health insurance, but where just doesn't come up. I think there is a uh, sound coming from. One of the participants somewhere? Okay, anyway. I'll do that. I'll just request the people to uh, mute themselves when Prakash is speaking so that it's clear to the people who are watching us on Facebook Live, right? So I've just muted uh, that participant. So now you can continue speaking. Okay, so when it comes to Medicare and uh, your insurance, will that insurance bring any tax benefit? A lot of the students have this query, you know, will that insurance, they pay a lot of 
good amount of insurance. I think around more than $2,000 in one year. So the point is, if you are here on that uh, um, student visa and then you're paying, you know, this is called overseas health cover, OHS is something, right? So by having that, you can't claim a tax benefit. That doesn't qualify for healthcare, you know, insurance rebate. Sure, sure. Uh, I think uh, you were also talking about some certificate uh, now yes. related to OSHC. So uh, on the Facebook live, I've got a comment from uh, Shruti Shankar who has raised this question that how do you get this certificate and can we lodge for this online? Okay, two things. One is you can always do yourself and then you can take a help of a tax agent. Okay? There's two ways you can do. You have a form. Uh, if you go and search Medicare Entitlement Exemption Certificate. If you search it, you will come with the ATO link and all. There will be a form, PDF form, and you have to fill that form. And there is an email address on that form. Once you fill everything, they will ask you a copy of your passport attested, a copy of your visa, current visa, or the visa that you were in for that financial year for which you are applying. Okay, these two things. You fill the form put these attachment and then send back to that email on the form. Then it will take around four weeks. It's the normal time, four weeks, okay? So after that period, they will send you in your postal address a letter. It's called exemption certificate. So with that exemption certificate, um, you go to any tax agent and then they won't apply that 2% medical levy on your return. So your refunds will be a bit bigger, okay? But sometime there is... You know, sometimes you went to a tax agent or you did by yourself. And then, you know, by default, the medical levy was applied. And you realize that, okay, you you are entitled to this exemption. Then what you can do is you can always apply that letter afterwards, get that certificate or the letter, and then send it to you. You can send yourself or you can take the help of the tax agent. Then whatever tax you paid extra, which you are not supposed to, it will give back to you. Okay, so that means you can do it earlier, get the certificate, and then lodge it, and then you don't have to pay the medical levy at that point itself. Okay, your refunds are higher, but sometime, but not knowing this, you did it, and there was a medical levy on on your tax tax, and then that means your taxes were a bit high, and then your refund were less, and you realized it afterwards, then. You can do it for your previous years as well. So, for example, you can check, you can go and check your MyGov and see whether maybe you are an international student for two to three years now already. And but in a couple of years, you did your taxes by yourself. And while doing your taxes by yourself, most of the time, the medical levy is by default, yes. So it you have to change it manually, or it's by default, it will apply there. Okay. And sometimes, even with the agency, you know, they might put it uh, there because you don't have the certificate. So even for previous years, you can get those certificates and apply and then you can get back those money. Sure, sure. I think that should be very useful. Yeah. Uh, for... Very easy is you can get these forms very easily on Google. And then it's a very plain and simple form to attachment. And there is an email uh, address there in the form. You have to send that uh, whole thing on that email. And you can follow up them. There is a number. You can give a follow-up call in a couple of weeks. Or this around four weeks' time, they will come back to you in your postal address with the letter. And then with that letter, you can either send to ATO or give it to your tax agent. Yes. Sure. And there is another question which is coming uh, from the students. And uh, this might be a question for a lot of other international students as well, that if someone is working in hospitality sector and they're also doing another job along with that, so do they breach their visa conditions as a student? Okay. Here, uh, I'm not, uh, I have to say that uh, for the visa matters, uh, I won't be, I'm, I may not be the right person to uh, comment a lot on this. On the tax angle, uh, for tax, tax. so you're, so long as you are working, you are earning, and you are declaring and you are paying, for tax, it's a different issue, okay? So you earn, you pay tax. But for your visa compliances, you have to check your conditions, I guess. You have all of your visa have a visa conditions. So, while working, the general rule is follow your visa conditions, okay? So if your visa condition allow you to work a lot of places, it'll be fine. But uh, on depth about these visa, uh, I, I think I may not be the expert on 
the other part of the visa, yes. Yeah, but do you have any useful resources which the students can look at, like? Oh, the first thing you check is, uh, if you see a visa with the conditions, okay, one thing is your main visa has a condition, say 20 hours. So that means legally you're entitled to do 20 hours. And then if you are breaching, then you are breaching the rules for the immigration. Then the other one is always in between, like COVID, we have a lot of changes from the government. They allowing people for different sectors, like critical sectors, I think nursing and then hospitality of late, I think they can work like full hours, I think. So they're not very sure, but there is some generous consideration. They can work more than they were supposed to when they had that visa originally. Okay. So just double check your visa conditions or any of the announcement from immigration uh, and because you have to comply those ones. But even whatever visa condition you have, so long as you have worked in this country, earned in this country, you have to pay the taxes, okay? Yes, you may be breaching visa conditions. You may be breaching visa condition in your immigration point of view, okay? But for the taxes point of view, wherever you work, they're going to pay you, they're going to deduct you. You have to show the income and then you have to pay the taxes. Yes. But yeah, you have to always be careful about your visa conditions, yes. Also related to the car expenses, uh, there was a question that which part of the car expenses can be claimed in the tax? Very specific question. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. It comes into uh, the deductions part of the tax returns, tax computations. Okay, so a lot of people will have okay, what sort of expenses we can claim, and because the claims will uh, help them to reduce their taxable income, and then their reform will go up. Okay, so. Uh, specifically speaking, the car expenses part of thing. So, for any expenses to qualify for a deduction, there are a few you know conditions that need to be met. Okay, the first thing that expenses should have to be incurred. That means have to be spent, and then it have to be for your work purpose. You know the income that you have earned and that now you are showing in your tax return, that expenses should be related to earning that income. Okay, so that's one point. Safe example, now how it works is, uh, you are in a, you have a car, you you go uni, uh, two, three days, and then you go in a other you know, job, you do a job. Now, you drive your car to go to uni, and also you drive your car to go your work. And then if you say, okay, all these uh, petrol and all these expenses, can I claim in there? So basically no, because you need to only, you know, claim those ones which are related to the uh, your income. So even then there are other further conditions when it comes to car expenses, okay? So that is any travel from your home to the place of work. So like you started morning from your home, you went to the work. So that is not counted, okay? You can't claim that part. Or anything when you come back, you can't. But anything between the jobs, say, you finish one job and then take your car, go to another job. Or you can take your uh, local train or okay, train or bus in between, in between the shifts or in between two jobs. That qualifies, okay? But from home to work and then from work to coming back, any expenses, any travel, car or anything won't qualify for that one, okay? But sometimes people work in such, uh, you know, areas wherein uh, they have to travel, uh, you know? Say, for example, if you are a salesperson working on a, uh, somewhere as a marketing, then what happens is you go from your home, but after you reach your office, you take a car and go a lot of places or a lot of, you visit a lot of your clients. In that case now, you can claim a major part of your, you know, uh, car expenses. And when it, and, and this is the, uh, how we can claim, we have a different methods there, is uh, you have, you have to put all the receipts. One way is you put all the receipts together and then you have your logbook to differentiate between how much was done for your work and how much was for your personal. So usually one way is put all the receipts like petrol, like repairs and all this together and total your expenses. And then you have your logbook. So that logbook says, okay, out of the total travel done in this financial year, this much kilometer was for my work, this much was for my personal. Then you come with the percentage. 
then you apply the percentage with your expenses then that relates those that percentage will be related to the job and other way around is it has given a you know choice that you can claim cents per kilometer method so up to 5000 kilometer you can just go straight cents per kilometer method wherein you don't have to keep all the receipts but yeah you need to have explanation of why you have considered this much kilometers for your work purpose okay in that case you can get a flat cents per kilometer deduction and it's much easier sure um as of now i don't have any questions from facebook live but i think there are yeah. comments in the zoom chat so um so yeah, there is a question from ruben lee uh, where he is asking is money awarded from winning any kind of competition subjected to tax so if they have won any money from okay. a competition in the university is it okay. subjected to tax okay uh most of the time awards and scholarship okay uh these are exempt income and any other ones we have to be check case by case basis okay what are the conditions around that okay whether there were any conditions for that so we have to you know individually check that once but in general in general awards scholarships are exempt income also sometimes lottery income and all these are not taxed in australia okay so yes most of the time but we have to check the individual scenario sure sure thank you so much uh, prakash for that answer um i would request people who have joined us on facebook live if you have any questions or even if people here on zoom uh, if you have got any questions uh, you can also uh, come on the video and ask him directly i think there is another question coming from vashnavi uh, okay. where he is asking that what is the difference in filing tax return if you are working a job on tfn and the other on abn simultaneously okay so here tfn is a you when you work in a tfn your employer will deduct taxes while paying you like weekly or fortnightly but when you are working on a abn uh, you are still it's a taxable income so initially they may not deduct money from your pay but at the end of the year you have to declare both of your income like your abn income and your tfn income both comes together so when we do a tax return it's not like your tfn is done separately your abn is done separately no both of them combine will go together and then out of the total income your taxes will be calculated and then either you have to pay or you get refund so the thing is it will club it will be club together and then it will be calculated the final one sure um and do you one, want to... one point is when you do your tax tax and when you work on avians most of the time you know people will have to pay at the end of the year the reason being is on on when you work on tfn what happens is the employer deducts money most of the time and then at the end of the year you don't have to you will most of the time you get refunds but when it when there is a avian income then there is nothing deducted most of the time okay and then when you club it and your total income at the end of the year so that part was never deducted so you might end up paying something due to that fund okay so that's how it works sure sure um i'm just looking at the other questions if there are any uh yeah. because i cannot find any questions maybe amit if you can tell me am i missing out on any question here there is another question on the zoom chat prakash which says what's the likeliness of getting a tax deduction from my business setting setting up expenses when my business has made minimal income in the financial year most of the expenses were for renovation and transportation okay so i'm not um, i'm not a bit clear about his circumstances so if he has a business or he is a student or you know we need to be very clear about business and then the uh, you know employment part because we have that you know expenses and deductions this principle works a bit differently in different in these two scenarios so if you are just set up a business but i am getting a stipend as well okay you are just set up a business okay then from my business setting up it means okay so so setting up a business here you can do through company or sometimes people do through avian okay so 
you have to calculate your business part separately at least the calculation do it so if you are in a avian so business can be done two way right one is under your avian sole trader we say another is you have a company okay so if you do a company then the whole identity is different from you so you are a separate taxpayer your company or uh, the business that you running you are, if it's a company you become a different taxpayer so we have to calculate that differently and then loss that differently okay and here if it if that business is in avian then still you have to calculate it differently you have to put the income one side and all the related expenses to earn that income one side and club it okay so now when it comes to income getting the tax deduction from business setting up expenses okay sometime what happened i think what he is asking is he set up the business and then he has a lot of expenses initially so that means he will be on a loss okay so in that case what we can do is he can do the return so all the expenses they are they are directly related to that business of earning money from that business though he may not have earned the money he can actually put them and then there would be excess expenses there on that particular year and it could be it's a tax loss it could be carried forward to the next year and next year when you have income say this year you have 2000 income and then 5000 on your expenses because being a first year you have to do more uh, setup and renovations right like you have to set up a office and everything and then you put depreciation for this so your income is less your expenses are high so you become lost to you so you can take that for next year and next year when you earn $10000 income net income after the expenses and this losses they will adjust with that so not this year this expenses will play in the next year okay but it depends how what sort of structure you have like your company you have avian okay so this how it works sure i That's think so, but i'm getting stipend as well yeah stipend is always you know it comes under that scholarship and grant and awards so so long as you are fulfilling all the conditions of that uh, exempt income then it won't be taxed but sometimes the stipend you know you are a part time say you need to be a full time so if you are part time and getting stipend then i don't think you will get that exemption okay so these things work differently under different different circumstances but in general in general a stipend a scholarship awards they have they are you know exempt sure um till the time we get another question one last question maybe uh, you can just sum up quickly prakash as to what are the key points we have discussed in this uh, whole session like maybe some of the students might have joined us late for so them if you can just talk on uh, quickly talk about on the tax fraud and you know the key things yeah. i will just summarize and main point that uh, you know the taxpayers or the student have to take care of is yes first is be safe with this sort of scammers and don't give your you know personal information nothing to them and if you have to get a and if you're confused give a call to ato okay sometime you know you might feel okay what should i do you can always give a call to ato if you don't have a tax agent don't worry it will help you with this okay they have a dedicated team so you can give them a call say okay this is happening to me oh, is that correct is one solution you can call yes there is a waiting time when you call ato it's around 20 minutes 25 minutes that's on one point and then if you have your tax agent like then you can give them a call saying okay what is going on this is coming to me is that true then that gets sorted out okay don't get don't involve yourself to deep onto this kind of scammers you know you can report to you now so if you're really confused about this thing so don't take you know things from your own side being you know going in a panic situation so this one point protect yourself from your information from this scam this one and then other one for international students is you are fairly new uh, in this country uh, first couple of years and taxes are a bit different so uh, one thing is all the income that you earn unless they are specifically exempt in tax laws uh, it is taxed okay and then you have to do a tax return every year uh, there are few conditions where you don't have to do your tax return okay there are few conditions or else everyone should have to uh, do taxes so few conditions are you don't earn at all okay then you can say you know uh nil lodgement advice we can give nil lodgement advice so you don't have any figure on that one okay 
and there is like $2,000 income and there is no tax deducted on it. So still you can go with a nil or something. But, but the thing is, if there is something deducted while paying to you during the year, say your income was $2,000, was deducted, you still have to do the tax return. This is the problem. Okay, so most of the time you have to do your taxes in the year. Due dates are usually, if you do yourself, October, October is the time. And the tax office, they are ready somewhere around second week of July. So people, you can start doing your taxes and then around second week of July, they start giving you the money back. It usually takes three to five working days minimum, but you can expect things to go around five working days max of a week time. Give a week time, okay? From three to five working days when you lose, and then it will, uh, the refund will come to you. It will come to your bank account. And other thing is be very careful about putting your bank details on your tax returns or while giving to your taxes. Because if your bank details are wrong, you know, it, it, you know, they have to process the return and it will go to someone else's bank account. Okay, so be very careful about giving the bank account uh, while doing your taxes. Even if you do it yourself, make sure double check the account is correct. Even if you come to your tax season, make sure you double check and give the details. So this is, a, and then there is another thing uh, you can you be prepared about your medicality exemption. It's always good to have these things beforehand. So the very first week, you can start sending, you get these forms, you Google it, get the form, fill the form, send it to uh, Department of Human Services. And by the time that they come to you, it's a good time that you can go to your country with that form in your hand. So when you have that exemption certificate, then it's easy for everyone to claim that thing. So your refund will be you know, higher this way. So any other thing is, uh, yes, expenses. So you can... Uh, put together all the receipts, you know, for all the expenses that were specifically for work purpose. It's good to have these ones, you know, with you, and then it will save you some money, you know. So, say for example, work-related expenses, a few work-related expenses that you can pay, work-related travel, like you work two places, and then from finishing from one place, you start the other job. So the travel in between, you can claim. So how are you gonna prove that one? So you have an Opal card which is registered, so if you have an Opal card that is registered, you can take a statement at the end of the month from the Opal card, right? And it has all the journeys there. Yeah, you can calculate that way. So easy. And if you're using your phone a lot of time, like you're working somewhere, you have to use your phone or your internet, you have your phone bill. And then you can say, okay, this part of that phone bill, it was for So this, this phone bill. And then last year, if you've done your tax return with an agent, you paid money for your taxes, you can claim that one as well, okay? And then uniform, uh, you know, laundry, dry cleaning. If you have a specific uniform in your workplace, then buying that uniform, you know, laundry, dry cleaning, you can claim those ones. And then, yeah, work travel, uh, you have car expenses as well, but everything, all these should have a direct nexus with your income, okay? Sure. And I think uh, one of the students is asking the basic question, when do you have to file your tax return? I think you told second week of July, but do you have... Yeah, after the end of the financial year, usually... So people say, okay, can we file from the very first July? So I say, yes, you can technically, but if you are not prepared, you know, they have to maintain the system and everything. So in my experience up to this, they usually the first batch of refunds will come only after 10th of July. I've seen this one. So even though we can process, so we can get this information, we can prepare them. Um, but many times our software are not prepared for the first week. So we have to wait for them to prepare for the current year, you have to change that, update the rates and everything. So my experience is best time, like you organize everything a couple of weeks in July. And then in the second week, if we go, then you don't have to wait much because there will be, the system will be set up already. It will start refunding. Then then you go, then once lodged, it will take max of around five working days for you to get money. Sure. And one a couple of things that people should be careful about is in taxes in Australia, people, different people will have opinion. People will be expert. They will say, oh, you can claim this. I have claimed this. I've got this much amount of money. And then people say, no, you can claim your this. So if you have to trust, trust professionals. Okay? <laughs> All of them in here, these opinions are not an expert opinion many times. So, and the you know, tax office allow you to do your taxes by yourself. 
you can still make a make mistake on there and still they will refund you the money yeah so if you don't understand anything don't actually blindly trust someone don't give someone to do your taxes you have to be very careful about claiming the expenses they can they do will come back to you ask you for all the receipts and everything so you may be on a trouble so be careful about these things sure prakash um i think since we are coming to an end uh, to this uh, podcast session so i would also like to tell everyone that if you have any questions even after this session we have created a facebook group for all the international students so you can drop your name in this comment section uh, on the facebook live or you can directly message to us uh, either to me directly or to prakash and i'll be more than happy to get you connected to them and uh, just looking at the questions if there are no questions so with this we might potentially come to an end to our seventh pgc weekly podcast and we would like to thank mr prakash burtul for taking his thank valuable you. time to join us today for this session and everyone for joining us today through zoom or facebook live or listening to the recorded version of the same on our youtube uh, channel we hope to see you all at our future events uh as well including the webinar at 6 pm today uh, on the story of the growing startups where we have got very esteemed panel of uh, guests invited there and it is a very exciting seminar for the budding entrepreneurs here at UNSW and obviously the exciting two day opportunities australia mentorship conclave which is held tomorrow and day after tomorrow uh but for now uh it's goodbye from my side and stay safe uh i hope that sydney can come out of this covid-19 situation hopefully everyone stays safe in sydney and also around the world and that's it from this seminar it's goodbye from my side any conclusion conclusion remarks prakash oh yeah thank you first sort of you know uh, giving me the opportunity to express my opinions yeah and yeah everyone stay safe tough times but yeah we'll uh, we'll see good times soon Sure. See, we'll see. We'll see. Good time with the refunds we'll be getting from HR. Sure. And if you have any questions, again, I'm telling you that you can either send in your request directly to us. Uh, I think Amit has already posted the link of the group on the chat. Um, so, or you can directly contact us, and we can get you connected to the respective people who will help you out. So that's it for this evening and this podcast. Uh, we will see you on the next podcast series and also at 6 p.m. today for our next uh, session. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Bye.